Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to a brand new series of Fight of My Life with me, Russ Williams, and my regular sparring partner, Spencer Oliver. And over the course of the next hour, we're going to be speaking to a former boxer, a true legend, about his defining fight in his boxing career. The build-up, the story behind it, the aftermath, the whole lot. And on today's show, we're going to be speaking to this man. had to go for it, you know. I have no choice. Do or die. The core at the moment won't come out of his dressing room. He was trying to intimidate me, but my spirit was here. Right hand is a good shot of hand from Bruno. I'm not a very good boxer. I'm just a very, very determined and very, very strong. I work more harder. People watching this have got butterflies in their stomach. It's almost nerve-wracking here. Oliver McCall is called it the bull. You cannot get that title out of Tesco, Sainsbury's or Primark. Thank you all the people staying behind me and, you know what I mean, persevering and sticking with me, man. I feel $100 million plus VAT. So there we are, Spencer. Before we hear from true Brit legend Frank Bruno, what fight are we going to be talking about today on the show with Frank? And how do you sum up Frank as a fighter? Yeah, Russ, we're going to be talking about Frank Bruno versus Oliver McCall in September 1995 at the old Wembley Stadium, the night that Frank finally lifted the world title. It was his fourth attempt at boxing for a world title. He'd previously lost to Tim Witherspoon, Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, and this was surely at 33 years of age going to be Frank's last shot at the title. And boy, did he go for it. Okay, thanks, Spence. I'm delighted to say national hero, former world heavyweight champion, Frank Bruno is with us. Welcome to Fight of My Life, Frank. Thank you very much. Very, very kind of you, Superman. Um, yeah, <laughs> he thinks, Spence, he thinks I look a little bit like Clark Kent, but that's fine. I'm not going to argue with him. Frank, we're, we're here to talk about your epic fight with Oliver McCall, 2nd of September, 1995. The old yeah. Wembley Stadium for the WBC World Heavyweight title. You won via unanimous decision. We're going to go through the fight forensically with you later in the show. Let's start at the very beginning. You'd had three world title shots. Yeah. 
Do you remember where you were when you found out that the McCall fight was on and you were going to get another world title opportunity? I was at home when I got the, the, the phone call. I think I was having a little bit of difficulty with uh, Mike Barrett, Mickey Duff, and a little bit with Terry Lola. So I moved from Mickey Duff, Terry Lola's to Frank Warren. You know what I mean? But I knew I was at home when the, the phone call came to me and he said we got to meet at a hotel in London, Dunking himself. But yeah, I was um, at home at the time when, it, when I got the message. Frank, this was your fourth world title shot. You'd previously lost them three times before to Tim Witherspoon, yeah. Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis. Did you feel, Frank, at 33 years of age that this was possibly your last shot at a world title? I knew it was my last shot, Spencer. That's why I went in the training camp a little bit more earlier than going there six weeks before. I went in there three months before. And before that three months, I was training, doing karate, the conditioning, sort of like before I went into training camp. Yeah, I did. That was my last saloon. That's why sometimes you go into a fight, your nerves are there, you're not wetting your pants, but you're so desperately want to go in there, there's nowhere to go. My mind was set on that, that night and that fight. Did you prepare in any different way, Frank, to the other three world title fights that you'd had? I mean, did you change your diet? Just did train a little bit more harder. Camp? Yeah, yeah, I did change a little bit. Just train a little bit more harder. Learn how to relax and just focus on the job in hand. Sometimes when people lose, people haven't got no... They, they can't build themselves up again. Their confidence go, they get gun-shy. And, you know, I mean, it's very difficult to pick up a guy once he's been stopped either knocked out and come back again to, you know what I mean, box. So I, I was knocked out by Bangladesh Smith. If I was chinny, the first punch he would hit me, I would have gone over. But I lost it. I had to dust myself down again and pick myself up, you know. And then I got a chance at the European title. I won that. And Tim Witherspoon, I shouldn't have got in the ring with Tim Witherspoon because he was uh, much more older than me. He was in the early Larry Holmes' days when he fought Larry Holmes. But I had to go in there because... Me knocking over people made me look more better than I was. Terry was trying to not muddle cut of me, but build my career up because I didn't have many amateur fights. Frank, what did you do different in this training camp to other training camps? Who was you sparring and, 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 and did you go abroad to train? I mean, what was different, Frank, knowing that you said yourself, knowing it was your last shot? I used to stay at a health farm, Ashby Deleuze, Springs, Champlis. When I used to stay there, I never lost. But for the Oliver McCall fight, I stayed there. And, you know what I mean? As I said to you before, six weeks, you usually have a, you start training. But I started about three months before that. And there weren't no secret of what they do more differently. Just worked a little bit more harder and saved my... You know, sometimes you can peak by being very, very manic. Like, you want to get in there now and you haven't got no patience. But you got to put the training session away and calculate it. Don't burn yourself out. Make sure when you get nearer to the fight, you peak and feel much more better. But I had a marquee they had for me. People could come in and watch and whatever. It was very, very good. It was very, very nice of the Purdue's to let me, you know I mean, use their place as training ground. Frank, you used to train notoriously hard. I used to see you over Hampstead Heath running every morning. I saw you there as a kid, actually, yourself and your trainer, George Francis. Do you think that was the secret to your success, the hard work that you actually put in? Spencer, I wasn't as a, a you, you box and you're a very good boxer. 
I'm not a very good boxer. I'm just a very, very determined, a very, very strong, and I work more harder than I am technically in boxing. I didn't have any... I had 21 amateur fights, so I don't pretend to be on the most prettiest guy to watch. But all I had was heart, determination, and willpower. I didn't have the natural gift like some people have got to go into the ring and know what it's around to. If you get hurt, hold on. I just done the old-fashioned way, train very, very hard, and go in there and have a fight. And some I won, some I lost, but I had a good interest in career. This fight, Frank, was billed, wasn't it, as the Empire Strikes Back, Britain against America. Did did that title and, and the way it was billed put any extra pressure on you? Did you feel that you sort of had the weight of the nation on your shoulders for this fight? I'm dyslexic, so I can cut off certain different things through my life. If someone's talking to me and they're too intelligent, I just got, you know what I mean? I'm dyslexic, so my excuse is I talk to myself and never get above thinking that I'm better than anybody and um, I can walk on the water. I'm just a humble human being and a very, very grateful one at that. All right, and here we go with our main event of the evening. And now, ladies and gentlemen in attendance and boxing fans joining us around the world, it's showtime! Here we go. Can Frank do it? Here we go 12 rounds for the WBC title. It's Fight of My Life on Talk Sports. Spencer Oliver and me, Russ Williams, and Frank Bruno, our special guest on this particular edition of the programme, and his fight against Oliver McCall, Frank's fight of his life, 2nd of September 1995, for the WBC World Heavyweight title. Frank, you know how big a fight this was for your career. Uh, it was a fight that you, frankly, you just couldn't afford to lose, could you? Tell us a little bit about the day of the fight. Did you sleep well before the fight? How did you feel when you woke up? If you did sleep well, were you nervous? Just take us through what you can remember about the day. I was very, very nervous. I was worried about it because the fight before me, he knocked out Lennox Lewis. I don't know what round it was with the right hand. So yes, obviously I was um, worried because I've been studying him for years. He came over to England to be my sparring partner once. And he got me, he poked me in the eye with his thumb with a different move, but I knew I was fighting a live wire, you know what I mean? But the day before the fight, when you go into training camp, you exude so much energy, you try and reserve the energy that you got. And I don't have to make weight, that's why I don't understand people like Oliver and Charlie McGray, and you know what I mean? All them guys have to make weight, man. Mm. A little bit of fish and a bit of lemon. You have a decent meal before the fight and just keep it on the level just mm. reserve yourself once you're in the zone you could be anywhere and you're hungry you're desperate your last shot of the, the, the title I, mm. I, I was just, I was on a different level not disrespecting anybody I was in the, in the tunnel you say it was your last shot of the title it was it, it was actually your fourth shot you're boxing at the old Wembley Stadium it was a packed arena you arrive at Wembley Frank you go into the dressing rooms talk us through what it was like in that dressing room the experience when you was getting your hands wrapped what was going through your head at that point you know what I mean I was hungry focused and he was saying some stupid things about me but I knew he come from Chicago so he thought he was a bad man he was a bad man in Chicago because you hear of him getting arrested by eight policemen and he gives them a run for the money. But that dressing room is very, very important when you go in there, have a little bit of music on, relax yourself, stretch, and just you have to do what you have to do. Like, you, you try and boost yourself up. 
not too stupidly for the time for the fight and made the best man win. Had you, Frank, played the fight over in your mind, like because you'd had those previous world title shots and you'd lost, and also lost to like James Bonecrusher, Smith in the 11th round and, and Witherspoon in the 11th round, was that ever on your mind, you know, going in against someone like McCall who, like you said, knocks out Lennox in two rounds, looked great in doing that. Then he beat Larry Holmes, a, a, another modern day great. And then you get that opportunity. This guy was strong. Did any of that play on your mind as you as you were getting your hands wrapped? Sometimes it, it flashes through your mind, but sometimes you've got to put certain different negativity in the box and shut the drawer up. If I were to think about what Lennox Lewis done to me, you would, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, Sometimes when you lose, you lose confidence as well. So I'm a man that you've got to put negativity in the, in the draw and go in there with positivity rather than being negative. And yeah, there were some negative thoughts in my head at times. And I wondered that how he knocked out Lennox Lewis in the two rounds and the way he knocked out Lennox Lewis. Mm -hmm. So yes, there was a worry here and there. You've got to be positive and be angry. And you know what I mean? He's the bull and I'm supposed to be guy coming from Great Britain who thinks I'm gonna, he's going to walk over me. But I'll give him a run for his money and took his title away. Before the fight got underway, it was a bit like a movie, Frank. There was a wonderful laser show. And unusually, um, the national anthems of Great Britain, uh, God Save the Queen, and the Stars and Stripes of America were played before the boxers Ewan McCall had entered the ring. And actually, the British fans booed the American anthem. And now, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the defending champion from the United States, we present his national anthem, the United States of America. To lead us tonight, please welcome the legendary R&B vocalist Edwin Starr. Oh, so can you see by the dawn's Why were those anthems played, do you think, before you two fighters got to the ring? I talked to Frank Warren with that one. He brought out the laser thing, because I think in our day, Spencer Oliver Day and my day, they, never, they used to play the national anthem, God Save the Queen. But he's gone upmarket disco and make it look like a rave now. Frank Bruno looking to succeed tonight where so many other British heavyweights have failed. His best chance and surely his last chance. It was an amazing light show, and there you suddenly appeared, Frank, as you remember, I'm sure, on a platform. And then you started the ring walk, and George Francis, your trainer, was saying something into your ear. What was he saying? I, I don't remember. That was extra. You know what I mean? That was such a long time ago, 25 years. I don't know what he was. He's probably saying that. Be positive. Without the booing of the American national anthem. 
as you was coming in, you was sort of moving to the music, you was bouncing, and you know, speaking as an ex-fighter, you know when a fighter's on it and he's switched on, and Frank, that's possibly the most determined I've seen you look in, in, in ever. I mean, did you feel that it was going to be your night? I trained so hard, I was desperately for, for it to be my night. I trained, as I said to you, m m so many months, and yes, nervousness kicks in, but sometimes when you're hungry, you're starving and being kicked down by Bone Crusher Smith, Spoon, Lewis and Mike Tyson, I, 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 I just had to go for it, you know? And I didn't have no choice, do or die. And yeah, I, I was thinking about the consequences because when he caught Lennox loose, I could just see the punch that he caught Lennox loose. He put him flat out and I knew that he was okay with a, a tough hombre. Oliver McCall obviously knew, Frank, that you were under a lot of pressure. And, you know, you had great expectations of yourself and your own ability. He was the reigning world heavyweight champion. He had the belt. You had to try and get it off him. You're in the ring after your ring walk, which was spectacular. Oliver McCall then decides he's going to leave you standing in the ring for a few minutes. Is this the night of destiny? Now I hear it from backstage. Is pacing up and down and have patience to wait for him. When you've been in boxing so many years, it's all, you know, they're trying tricks. When you go abroad, that's how they drop it, like trying tricks to, you know what I mean, unwind you or whatever. But in boxing, you just got to let it fly over your head in 15 minutes. I didn't have my watch on me at the time, so I couldn't tell whether it was 15 minutes, whether it was a year. Mm. I would have still been in there waiting for him to come out. He did leave you in that ring, Frank, and it was a, there was a packed stadium and everyone was chanting your name. The music was pumping, the lights were going. And when he eventually come out of his dressing room, he come out of the dressing room with Don King and he come out and he was bawling his eyes out. I wasn't, I'm, I mean, not just crying. He was bawling his eyes out with, I don't know if that was emotion or what it was, but it was, it was a very strange entrance. Look at this. He's in tears again as he was on his way to the ring before... Did you recognise that when he sort of entered the ring? Oh, no, no, I didn't recognise it at all because my eyes ain't that long, Spencer. When he came no, when he actually got in the ring, he was still crying then. Oh, yeah, you noticed that. When he came in there, like, he was crying, like he was giving it the tough man. But that's psychology. A fighter like that used that psychology to weaken me, him coming into the ring, and he wants to kill me. Yeah, not that I mean kill me. He wants to put some damage upon me. Yeah, I see him walking up and down, but I had my eye on him and watching him, but... When you've been in the game so long, Spencer, you don't get bullied or in, 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 I'm, I weren't bullied by him at all. I knew his yeah. game, he was trying to intimidate me, but my spirit was there and I was putting up my spirit 
determination in my shield that there's some rubbish that get out crying like you're gonna murder somebody. It's tomfoolery, but it didn't, it didn't work on me. Let's get into the fight then, Frank, the biggest fight of your life. Land of Hope and Glory belts out, of course, a very patriotic song. We get into round one, and you know it's a good round for you. You catch him with a big overwrite, don't you? And uh, you must have thought to yourself, "This is pretty good." It, did, it, did it give you confidence? In boxing, yeah. When you're fighting a puncher, you can never say round one is finished. It, it seems okay. You wait until you trained, which what I did. I trained to be and uh, new. That's why I trained for round one, around two, around three. He's a dangerous guy, even the trough, as long as the inch, the, the little, it says three minutes and the fight is over. All those interests in that trade for and the new. You had a great start, Frank. You went out there, stamped your authority, hit him with a good right hand, rocked him in the first. In the second, you found, you started to find your uppercut. You was picking the shots, but McCall showed that durability, didn't he, early on in the fight. You was winning the rounds and winning them big, but he was still pushing forward. You know, how was that phasing you? Yeah, it was phasing me, but I knew he, that's his style. That's why I had to be on the back foot. But that was his style. He had a brilliant left hand, and he had a, a good right hand. He was a stayer. But yeah, you, you know I mean? I had to be strong, focused, and didn't slip up with him because every punch, his jab was hard, his right hand was hard, and all he kept on doing was coming forward. Round three, Frank, you're having another good round. You're landing uppercuts, but McCall starts coming back in the fourth round and he starts trying to push you on the back foot. At this point, Frank, did you realise you was in for a long night? Sometimes when you go into the training camp, or going to training camp and figure that this guy's got a left hand was very, very good. That man's got a right hand was very, very good. But Oliver McCall is according the bull. You cannot get that title out of Tesco, Sainsbury's or Primark. That is a very, very powerful word to say an atomic bull. When he comes into the ring, he's crying and he wants to do some damage. But unless you're a fighter, don't put up with that nonsense of ghetto, bad boy or whatever. But I had his ticket when it comes to bad boy. But I knew when the fight was a rage that I knew that I was in for a hard fight. He's a very, very tough guy and very, very... He, he, He's got the power of about six men because I've never been in the ring with a stronger person than him. That's why I think he ran out of the um, hall before he gave the urine test, if you know what I mean, Harry, allegedly. Mm. Round five, things started to get really physical, didn't they, Frank? Uh, was that a moment maybe where the sheer magnitude of the task ahead of you, trying to get his belt and become world heavyweight champion, uh, dawned on you maybe? It did dawn on me, but sometimes in, in life you get more experience as you get more older. And I was trained by, I had good trainers, Jimmy Tibbs, Frank Black, Terry Lawless, but George was a hard, no nonsense, all our training. So he fought out um, at the package that he wanted me to do. I put on a little bit more extra weight because if I would have been the same weight as Oliver McCall, he's, he's, got, he's a very dangerous, doesn't look too smart. He doesn't look too pretty to watch, but he's got a powerful jab and that right hand, he keeps on coming forward. His strength is amazing, but 
you've got to knock out the negativity, especially when you find a man like Oliver McCall. Coming up on Fight of My Life on Talk Sport. I couldn't watch it because I started crying. But I can't watch it. I never watched the whole fight through and through. I can't watch it, you know what I mean? Because I can't watch the fight, you know? I can't watch it. It was a very, very special night. Plushcare.com/slash/weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Sport fight of my life. Spencer Oliver and me, Ross Williams, we're in the company of Frank Bruno attempting to become heavyweight champion of the world against the champion then, Oliver McCall, at the old Wembley Stadium. Throughout the whole of the fight, Frank, just before we get back into the next rounds of the fight, the crowd were absolutely amazing. Can you appreciate that in a heavyweight boxing bout? Nigel Ben and Princess Azim Mohammed was near the ring. Sometimes you can hear that. But sometimes when you're in a boxer, especially a fight like that, you have to, every bit of concentration is needed with a man of that power and that dangerous. So, yeah, I could hear the crowd here and there, but seriously, ding, ding, from whatever round you do, you, you, you can hear the crowd, but sometimes you're so zoomed in, you can't hear nothing. You know what I mean? Yep. Just concentrate on the, the guy in the hand. And he had two, two hands, and he had dynamite in both of them. 
Yeah, round six, Oliver McCall started to push forward, Frank. He probably felt that he was by this time falling behind. You was winning all the rounds. In round seven, Nigel Benn, who boxed on your undercard that night, was like your acting cheerleader. He was virtually in the ring and he was screaming at you, Frank. Don't let him push you back. Don't let him push you back. Was you aware of that at the time? I was aware that Nigel, I could hear him, and sometimes I took it deep, but it's easy said than done. When you're in the ring with a man like that, and I'm, I weigh more heavy than him, and he's trying to push me back all the time. But I trained, that's the way we trained. They would push, try and push me back, but I made my legs more stronger. It was a good, good, good thing he was trying to push me back, and I was trying to push him back. But he's a dangerous guy, that's all I say. Frank, round number eight, you were working well behind the jab and then you switched to a southpaw, which was unusual for you to do that. Was that part of the plan? Um, it wasn't part of the plan, but sometimes I change southpaw when I get a little bit tired. And sometimes it, it confuses people when you turn southpaw. But I was a little bit tired around round eight, so I was just trying to loosen myself up and just not cheat, but just try and get alarms loose and reserve that energy in the tank and don't burn out so quick. But it wasn't a one that I practiced. Yeah, I practice it in the gym sometimes, but that's in the toolbox in case you, you need it. And it was needed against a guy who wouldn't stop coming forward. As you said, McCall now pushing forward a lot. He felt like he was he was falling behind on the scorecards as he was. You know, you had round nine. McCall was still pushing forward, but you were landing the cleaner shots. Then we get into round 10, Frank, and both of you guys start trading. And now you're starting to bleed from the nose, from the mouth. It would become very physical. There's a rising tide of noise now around Wembley Stadium because this crowd sense that Bruno might be close. Do you think at this stage that you was close to victory or did those previous losses, Frank, when they come, you know, in round 11 against Bone Crusher and in round 11 against Witherspoon, was that starting to creep in your mind at that time as the fatigue was setting in? I was more interested in the guy which I had in front of me was a very, very dangerous guy. I ain't got no mm. time to think about Witherspoon mm. and I'm loose or whatever. That was yesterday. I had to think about what was happening yeah. today. You can't look at someone else or think of somebody else. When you're in a job and you're fighting, all you can concentrate is the guy in front of you. You can't think about nobody else because they're not wearing red gloves. It's the guy in front of you that's wearing the red gloves. I was thinking of Oliver McCall. And it's such a 10th round. It's a very delicate round, 10, because when it goes to 12, then the last couple of rounds can get very, very scary. And when you get tired, you've got to you know, get fresh and get the breathing right. Round 11, he catches you with a big uppercut. He was throwing everything and the kitchen sink at you, Frank. He landed a big yeah. uppercut, which forced you to hold on. You get through the round, round 12 comes, and by this time, Frank, you're looking desperately tired and you're looking to just get yeah. through the round. And if you get through the round, you've got victory, no doubt about that. But you could, could yeah. you feel the tension in the place? Because, I mean, sitting there and watching it back, I was on the edge of my seat, just even watching it, and I knew the result. It was one of those crazy moments that the, not just the whole stadium, but the whole country was willing you to win. <laughs> 
three minutes away from becoming WBC heavyweight champion of the world. I'm sure of that. Can he hold on? People watching this have got butterflies in their stomach. It's almost nerve-wracking here. We never thought we'd see him become a world heavyweight champion. But he seems so close now that he can touch it. Could you feel that in there yourself, Frank? I watched it yesterday and I couldn't watch it because I started crying. But I can't watch it. I never watched the whole fight through and through. I can't watch it, you know what I mean? Because I can't watch the fight, you know? I can't watch it. I watched some rounds and whatever, but I can't believe. It's such a touching sort of thing to watch of all the, the flags and everything. But it was, mm. it, was, um, it was a very, very special night. I would never can't thank Frank Warren enough to put on a great show. All the people involved, wicked. Yeah, Frank, we got into the 12th round and we're getting into the last minute and the commentators at the time, Ian Dark and Glenn McCrory, and you could hear them literally willing the fight down. One minute to go, we've got one minute. Can Frank make it through the last minute? Now we're down to 45 seconds. Robert Simmons did it, Lennox Lewis did it, Herbie Hyde won the WBO version for Britain. It's Frank Bruno going to join that very, very short list. He has, what is it, 40 seconds to survive. It was just an incredible, credible moment. The final bell goes, we come to the end of the fight, and I think everybody in the stadium at this time recognised that you won. The first question I was going to ask, did you feel that you'd won at that point? And the second question was that everyone piled into the ring, and it was like something out of a movie. <laughs> we didn't even dunking. You know I mean, I didn't know if I'd won, so I had to wait with patience and the new. That's all we needed to hear because we were training of that and the new. That's what we're training for for motivation in the training camp. But as soon as the man said and the new, I said, "Oh my God!" Forty years of trying to, you know, I've been doing well in boxing. You know, there's a, a wicked achievement. I only was the WBC champion for about five minutes, but I've, I'm on I'm history. That's what, what I'm happy about. Ladies and. Gentlemen, after 12 rounds of boxing, we have a unanimous decision. Here are the score totals. Judge at ringside, Malcolm Bolner scores at 115 to 113. Judges at ringside, Newton Campos and Rai Solis both score the mat at 117 to 111. All three in favor of the winner and new. I was a troublesome youngster and I used to hang around with the wrong sort of like crowd. My mum tried to educate me into saying you got to not move around with these sort of like people. I was dyslexic, so I suffered in different ways. I got sent to a boarding school and I ironed out all the creases because when I left the boarding school, I tried a few jobs here and now and I went straight into boxing. Sometimes in life, you know, we have, a ch we, we, we have dreams, we have plans that we want to do. Sometimes our plan goes out the door. My plan was done for when I was 12. My dad bought me my first pair of boxing gloves. I didn't know nothing about boxing. My main aim in life was to be like the black Bruce Lee, like we used to watch Kung Fu movies or whatever. But when I left school, I was dyslexic. So my best thing I could do is get involved in boxing to try and make some decent money. 
my friends, they were rubbing and doing all different things, but I couldn't understand it. So I had to change on a different level and just concentrate on the boxing and just focus on what I had to do because I didn't want to get involved in have a criminal record or whatever, but it can be done. emotional now and you and you should be emotional can you put into words that I know it's a difficult time for you Frank but what this means to you because you must have thought this would never happen if I won the 10 million pound lottery today it would mean as much as this to me because I've got my son and I've got the belt you know I'm just grateful I haven't really sunk in very good to have you with us you're listening to talk sport Frank Bruno on fight of my life his fight in 1995 and it was epic in more ways than one, and Frank became WBC World Heavyweight title holder after wrestling that title from a difficult customer, as we've heard already with Frank, Oliver McCall. He was the champ, Frank Bruno was now the champ, and, and after this McCall fight, you faced Mike Tyson, didn't you? And you lost in the, in the third round in Vegas. I was there working and, and supporting you. It, 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 like thousands of others and millions watching on television, Frank, it proved to be your very last fight. How do you know as a boxer that it's the right time to hang up the gloves? I don't know. Sometimes at the, at the time of that fight, you know, I was going through a very difficulty, not looking for no excuses. I, you know, sometimes when you've been away from a boxer and you come home, being away, like you're in the army and you come home, the, the, the kids and your wife want you to go away rather than, you know what I mean, stay at home. I went through the marriage breakup. It wasn't the, the most nicest thing to go through, but the pressure I had on it was unbelievable. But I ain't looking for no sympathy. You have good and bad days. You have good times in life where you, you split up from a partner. Some people can take it, some people don't take it. But yeah, been sectioned a couple of times, but I'm all right now at the moment. Yeah, Frank, you you lost that, that fight and your title to Mike Tyson. You've decided to hang up your gloves. And more recently, actually, you've just been out to visit Mike Tyson, haven't you? Tell us a little bit about that. And are you friends now? <laughs> well, I can't be friends with someone trying to knock you or kill you. <laughs> I mean, I can't be friends. Yeah, I went over there. He was very, very, very nice and very, very down to earth and very, very calm. He didn't have the entourage around him, so... He seemed much more better than having all yes men around him. He just had his PA and a lady PA as well, and he just kept it on the level. He was very, very the best I've ever seen him. I think he's into Bob Marley, though. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I, 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 think, I, think you, I think you would take him now, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I saw him now, and he's coming back. Holyfield is coming back. 
this one wants to come back or whatever. I said, don't, just don't rule me out. You know, we could, you're not allowed back in England, but we can do something in Ireland. I'll put absolutely. my ticket in, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Frank. Absolutely. Listen, seven years after the fight, 2002, you lost your late great trainer, George Francis, who committed suicide. How did that affect you, Frank? I know personally how close you and George were because I saw you as a young kid go as as we trained over Hampstead Heath every morning, six in the morning. I know he was like a father figure to you. How how did that affect you personally? It affects me in a big, big way because George was trained and he had a, 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 a tough man and mentality. And it, it, it really cracked me up. It really hurt because we used to go for walks together, go down to a training camp together, but he lost his son, lost his poor wife, Joan. And I think that must have got to him much more than... I felt sorry for him and I feel for him and I miss him so much. Nice man. Did you ever sense that anything was wrong with George? Because I remember at the time when it had happened, like it was, it was something that was totally out of the blue, uh, like it was totally unexpected. Did you ever sense that there was a problem? Afterwards, I see there was a problem because you know, I mean, sometimes you look at people, and when someone loses a loved one, and you lost two loved ones, and when someone they were close and um, school heart love. You know, I mean, sweethearts and all that business. It was it weren't nice to go through. When his son rang me, I just broke out and crying, dropped the phone because that was the last person I would have thought would have committed because he had a hard, tough mentality, like in the ring, and he was old school and he didn't mess around. You know what I mean? But boy, it hurt. You know what I mean? To see him talking about it, it hurts. It's almost as if you've had a tougher time since you stopped boxing than you ever had in the ring. Obviously, that was a tragedy with George Francis Frank. You touched on it a few minutes ago. You were sectioned twice. I'm going to ask you, obviously, how you are now, but what do you remember about the start of your well-documented mental health problems? Was what happened to George anything to do with it or the breakup I of your marriage? Any, what was it? what happened to me. I remember everything that happened to me. If you would ask me a question about mental health being... Leaving the police coming to my house, having the police come to the house, having doctors and so-called medication, rubbish people come to my house. But yeah, I remember everything, but that's the way life goes sometimes. I'm still here now. And the strangest thing about it, your so-called friends will try and stab you in the back. The more closer people are to you, they're, they're the sort of people you've got to watch because they're two-faced. But I hold my hands up and I take it like that. Yes, I have been sectioned. How do you feel but now? I feel fine. Very, very glad that I've seen Spencer's face. I'm very, very glad you asked me to go on the, the, the show, but I feel $100 million plus VAT. Yeah, Frank, <laughs> you, you you look great, mate. And, um, you know, what are you up to now, Frank? What, what what's, the, what's the general day for Frank Bruno at the moment? I've got a boxing gym that I'm trying to get involved with, which I'm in involved with, and it's nearly opening with this way to see what Boris will let us go and visit him and whatever. I'm just trying to keep happy. I've got myself a good PA in Paul Hunter. It used to be with UB40. I've got a good team around me now, Spencer, and I'm very, very happy. The pressure's taking off. All I've got to do is get up in the morning, go for a train, which I've got all the equipment at home. I've got a steamer at home. I've got a hot tub, and I love training. I've got three punch bags in the garden, and yeah, I can't really grumble. I'm in a... I'm very, very chosen. I'm very, very grateful for everything that I've ever got given to me. I work hard for, 
you know, I mean, I'm, very, I'm in a good spot at the moment. Very good. I can feel maybe a bit of Frank Bruno ducking and diving coming on now. You probably won't like this question, but I'm going to ask you. Frank, did boxing make you rich? Did boxing make me rich? Oh, yeah, of course boxing made me rich. Yeah, I mean, I would have been still a metal polisher or trying to be a carpenter. But boxing, yes, has made me rich. Not only in the pocket, but made me rich in the mind of dealing with a lot of people. And there is good and bad in everybody that you do, but there is some nice people in the boxing vicinity that will be brothers, no matter what colour you are, what religion you are, people bond together and they're very, they're nice. it's a nice crowd. People might think that we're gangsters or whatever. We're far from gangsters. We are nice people, mm. boxers. You don't know what you got. it takes to go into the ring and to have balls to go and fight somebody in a different country and you'd be a warrior. So I understand and I respect every single boxer, whether it's an amateur, whether it's a professional, whether he used to box years, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, whatever, you respect anybody. I do anyway. I want to thank you, mate, for giving us so many memorable nights, you know, as a kid growing up, watching you go through your career right up to that night in September 1995 when you won that world title. Training alongside you over Hampstead Heath in the mornings was an absolute pleasure as well, mate. I've got to say, you are a true inspiration to not just me, to, to millions of other kids across the world. For You said it yourself, you're, you know, where you lacked in talent, you made up for in hard work, dedication. And that, and that shone through that night when you won that world title, mate. So I want to thank you for that. But what I'd like to ask you, Frank, was uh, if you could change anything that you've done in your career, what would it be and why? Uh, uh, sometimes when you say, you know what I mean, Harry, people think that you're thick. I don't pretend to be clever, but I'm borderline not, not thick. I'm not, not mean borderline. When somebody takes the out of you for saying, you know what I mean, Harry. I didn't mean to say, you know what I mean, Harry. I said it naturally to Harry when I nearly got knocked out by um, Jumbo Cummings. But if you see Jumbo Cummings fight, you'll understand where the link between me and Harry became. But apart from that, I wouldn't change nothing at all. Because mm. if I change anything, I wouldn't be here now. I'll be the security guard outside waiting for you to come. You treat as a guy, clap me around here or something like that. But I'm happy. My life, I haven't got no O levels or A levels. It's just raw. And I used to go down to George's gym years ago when Bose Edwards was there. Probably your dad was there as well, yeah. borderline training. And that was a tough gym. And I used to get battered by Lottie Mawali and bunk the train back and come down there the next day to go and get battered again. But I was learning my trade. And I think. Boxers are good people. Everything about boxing, they're good, you know? Frank Bruno, it's been a pleasure having you on Fight of My Life. You're a British boxing legend, a world boxing legend, a world champion, and a world champion human being as well. And myself, Russ Williams, and your friend Spencer Oliver have absolutely loved having you on this edition of the show. Thank you very much. Cheers. Very kind of you, sir. Thank you. Frank Bruno on Fight of My Life. Keep listening. Plenty more Fighting My Life's on the way, right here on Talk Sport. From Spencer and myself, it's goodbye for now. And Frank as well. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 